HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to HRN on tour at Charleston Wine and Food 2022. I'm Frank Mentesana, and today we are broadcasting live from the heart of the culinary village. This episode is made possible thanks to the support of Hickory Nut Gap, builders of community agriculture since 1916. I'm Liza Ham. I'm joining Frank for the last interview of day two of Charleston Wine and Food. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Frank, we actually have barbecue royalty in the house right now. I, I want know, you to know. I'm very thrilled. Amy Mills runs 17th Street Barbecue, which is a giant mecca of barbecue in tiny Murfreesboro, Illinois. She also created On Q Consulting, which is the only barbecue business consultancy in the world. A mouthful, but very impressive. <laughs> She co-authored Peace, Love, and Barbecue with her dad, who was the legendary pitmaster Mike Mills. She knows everything and anything about barbecue. Welcome, Amy. We're so happy to have you here. I am so delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. We're very excited to have you here um, and to learn more about you and what you do and where you are right now, right? Because so much has changed in all of our lives and in the world, so... Liza, do you want to start with a... Yeah, Amy, first I want you to tell me a little bit, like, we saw you 2020 here at Charleston. It was great. And then you had a lot of great plans, which I want you to just remind listeners of. And then tell us what's happened in the last two years, please. Um, Sure. This this was the last event before the world went mad. And I was so happy um, to have this experience to look back on because this is really one of my favorite festivals. I just love being here. And I love being on Heritage Radio Network, so thank you very much. At that time, um, in the foggy distance of early May, early March 2020, we were building a barbecue sauce factory and a coffee breakfast lunch shop. And... Um, We have two thriving restaurants, a big event center, mail order, um, wholesale sauce business. A lot of things going on are on-cue classes. And obviously that all came to a screeching halt for a little bit. But uh, the silver lining is that our sauce factory construction did not. And because many other projects came to a halt, ours accelerated. So that was a little bit of a silver lining of the year that got finished um, Actually, they came to bolt down all of the equipment on dis- on January 4th, 2021. And sadly, my dad passed away on December 29th, 2020. So 
that was a very weird week when I look back at that period of time. It's all a little bit of a blur, yeah, as you might surreal, right? imagine. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, I'm glad that he got to see some of that construction and some of those plans coming to fruition because, um, you know, he bought this ramshackle building for me and wait till you see it now because it's really something special. So I actually put on hold the coffee shop building because it just felt like a lot on top of everything. I thought things would be getting better by then and they really weren't. And we were still closed for indoor dining. Um, you know, Illinois was really very hard hit and we had a lot of precautions. Probably one of the only interior states that was like that. Right. But we did start construction again in September of 2021 and we'll be opening our little coffee breakfast lunch shop um, mid-April. So I'm very wow, excited. Wow, congratulations. About that. That's yes. amazing. Do so you tell Frank just a little bit about like your thought process behind why you decided yes. to create sort of just this like beautiful spot in addition to the barbecue yes. restaurants, please? So I grew up in Murfreesboro, Illinois. I went away to journalism school and really never looked back. I moved <laughs> to Dallas very briefly and then Boston for a much longer period of time. But I started working for 17th Street doing marketing, advertising, PR, all things I did in my professional life Right. Uh, in 2020. Although I still lived there, as long as I had a cell phone and FedEx and a computer, I could really work from anywhere. Sure. So I spent lots of time traveling back and forth or just flying off to meet my dad and our gang at various events. But for all intents and purposes, I lived somewhere else for mm -hmm. most of that period of time. I wrote two books from there. Um, but I had this dream of really helping our town. Our, our town was destroyed uh, by Walmart, just like many other small towns. And our restaurant is really one of the most thriving things in the town. People come from all over the world to eat at 17th Street. Every single day, there is someone from another country, which just blows my mind. Amazing, yes. and we And we know this because we ask people where they're from, and we write it on the chalkboard. So even the night before we closed for the pandemic, someone from the country, Hungary, was in our restaurant. And I think that's so wild. Amazing. So... Yeah. I really wanted to bring our barbecue sauce production back in-house because the people who were co-packing it, um, it was fine, but it didn't quite taste the same. And I wanted to expand our wholesale business. Um, at this time, I was really pandemic-proofing our business, but I didn't even know it. Uh, and then I really had this dream of, of renovating a building on our main street because our town used to be filled with factories and they all slowly went away. We had a shoe factory, a glove factory, a jacket factory, a label factory, an aluminum factory. This is the only factory or plant, only one still there. So this building that we have lovingly restored, uh, we could have just rebuilt something, <laughs> but it really is a showpiece and it's going to be so exciting. So it was the first car dealership in our town and the part that's the showroom is going to be the restaurant and a little gourmet market. And then the back two-thirds is this barbecue sauce factory. There are no windows. You really would have no idea what is happening there. But when you go in, it is a wonderful, bright, shiny, state-of-the-art bottling factory. And so mm. I'm excited to bring not only to produce our sauces, but to bring other people to bottle their sauces. And again, bringing other people's money into our town because we just don't have a lot of industry in the town. We are in... That right near the Shawnee National Forest, there is so much, um, there's so many natural resources, beautiful lakes, trails, cliffs to climb or rappel down, lots of natural beauty and great recreation activities, lots of boating, 
but uh, and we also have lots of little wineries and breweries, and then we have barbecue, uh, and we are also surrounded by orchards. So we're like to have this little trifecta of people coming for orchards, barbecue, and beer and wine, which is really cool. Sounds perfect. Yeah. And lots of activities that seem to be hunger-inducing. Exactly, <laughs> so, exactly. And what could be better for that than barbecue? Exactly. Yeah. And in the, so five years ago when my dad's health started declining a bit, I really came back full-time. And in that time, I joined a couple of committees that were just starting in our town, a, a Main Street revital, uh, Revitalization Committee, and then our Beautification Committee, and then a committee called Revitalize 62966. So lots of people have come in, they're buying buildings, they're renovating them, putting in cute little shops and offices and different things in our downtown. So I'm really excited to add our showpiece to that as well and to really um, you know, help draw more people to our town. It's really sort of a reverse placemaking ex exercise. If you build the town where people want to live, then more companies will come to the town because there's already a workforce there versus asking companies to move in. And then they say, well, there's no one to work at my company. So it's really been a neat thing to be part of. Yeah, I'm, I'm so curious because I hear that this kind of revitalization of rural communities is really on the rise and people are leaving cities and so on. If, if you were to give us some advice as what you think small communities need to survive and, and not, not be a trend, but really, really be sustainable into the future, what would you, how would you speak to that? Well, I, what small communities need is art and culture. They, we have a big push for like, murals in our town and art exhibits and you know, really supporting art and music because that draws people. Sure. So they, you definitely have to have art. You need to have people uh, who run the town who are business friendly and who help you start a business. It needs to be easy to come in and know, like, where do I go for my permit? Where do I go for tax incentives? Um, you know, do you have a TIF district or an enterprise zone? All of those things. And you need, you know, a sense of community. You need events in your community and things that bring and draw people together. And so we have, you know, a brew fest. We have a wine fest. We have different, we have a huge little art colony community in our town. And they have art events all the time. So those are things that bring people as well as stores, stores and restaurants bring people. But in a town of 8,000, you have to be so careful because you need, obviously, more people than the people who live there have to come and support you. If half our business wasn't from out of town, out of state, out of country, we would be nowhere near the size we are now because our own little community can't support us to the degree that you really need for some major growth. So you, you know, you have to have, I think things come in threes. So as I look at our downtown, you know, we do have three cute shops. So if someone comes to town, they can hit three shops, have a meal, you know, visit a brewery, and then go on their way to one of our recreational activities or orchards or something like that. So you, you do need more than one thing. You need more than barbecue or more than wine or more than even just a lake and recreation. Right, right. Although I think I might show up just for barbecue, but <laughs> I don't know if I'm, <laughs> I'm normal. Um, so I'm curious, so you, you had this very large plate of things that you were working on. Um, I'm curious how you might have redesigned to kind of things, things would survive in the present state of everything, post 
COVID? Are we post-COVID yet? I don't know. We're something, right? Um, can you speak a little bit about kind of the shift in maybe business model, product, menus that might have resulted in absolutely in kind of everything time? shifted? <laughs> and really, I really try to look a lot of this as a silver lining because we were able to make so many changes that we could not have just sprung on our customers. We would have gotten a lot of pushback. Sure. So immediately we went to a took our menu that was a big two-page menu, and now it's one page. And we got rid of things that were not big sellers. Everything on our menu is there because it was someone's favorite, including mine. <laughs> I had to give up some things I loved because... Can you tell us what that was? They <laughs> toasted ravioli, which why? Why? It's not really a barbecue thing, but I love it. It's not on the menu anymore. But everybody had some pet thing that was their thing. And, you know, we really took a hard look at all of those things. We... We're very lax with food costing and really raising our menu prices. We wanted to try to be as affordable as possible always. And when we reopened, we had squeezed every penny to the nth degree and we opened with newer prices. Um, we went to a more of a meat market model and our meats are all sold by the pound and our sides are either like a single serving, a pint or a quart. And really encouraging people to put together a tray of barbecue instead of here's my sandwich and here's one side. So locally, you know, that's always a little bit of a um, new thing for local people to get used to, but people who travel don't know, and they are used to eating that more meat market style menu. So, you know, so that works. Um, we had actually really revamped our cocktail menu right before the pandemic. I had someone who was the bar manager named Derek Mercer, to give him a shout out from Blackbird in Chicago, which is sadly no more, but he is an amazing bartender, bar manager, and he came down and did a day of training with all of our staff. And so we use all fresh squeezed juices and have these beautiful layered complex cocktails now. Even though we're very much a beer establishment, if someone is traveling and they want a great old fashioned, we've got that for you. So we, you know, we've done some th some high low things. So while we're very much barbecue centric, we have some really nice things on our menu too. It also allowed us to re-engineer our staff. So people who were uh, managers, I made them general managers over both of our restaurants, which are 22 miles apart. So we have more of a focus um, in the one that's farther away. It's just harder to get there when you get very busy in your day. And so they're much more tethered and connected to the home office and home establishment. And then we, you know, really a third of our staff has been with us from nine to 23 years, which is really unbelievable Incredible. in the <laughs> restaurant world. So now yes. we are just working on that next layer. So the churn of employees has been unreal. Like they get hired, they don't show up for orientation. They come to orientation, they don't come to the first shift. They come to the first shift, they don't ever come back again. And they don't even tell you, they just don't. I mean, it's, it has really been unbelievable um, what has happened in, in staffing. I mean, really that's, I think, the hardest thing that has happened because our, you know, our, it's been very difficult to get our service back to the level that we have always enjoyed. and. Sure. Um, we have got. We have really had to back off of some things and give a lot of grace. So it used to make me crazy. All any bad review, and now if the review says I didn't get my water refilled, I'm not freaking out about that anymore. Like if your food is cold or if there's something wrong, any of those kinds of things that bothers me. But sure. I'm sorry if you didn't get your water. 
There needs to be patience all around today. Yes. I do <laughs> think patience, the, the, yeah. the grace is no longer because the rest of the world feels okay. And so people think everything is okay. Right. And it's not really okay. And it's not, yeah, yeah, exactly. 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 Now, I know you also were really instrumental in getting other businesses up and running during the pandemic. Can you tell, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Well? So one of the things we did instantly when we realized it was going to be a little bit longer than we all anticipated. Two weeks. <laughs> yes. We, went, we laid off all of our staff ex- with the exception of five people. And we started, we really ramped up mail order. So I was upstairs packing and chipping and making mistakes um, daily. So I, I started having to have someone check my work because people were getting the wrong things in their boxes. Uh, but we started, just to keep in the game, we started doing this little thing called 17th Street and Friends. Mm-hmm. So we got eggs from a local person, um, bacon and some other meats from a different farm that was nearby, growlers of beer from one of the breweries, bottles of wine, um, We have this cute pie place um, that sadly did end up closing, but they would have a pie of the week. And then each week would be some different thing. So it might have been like a nacho kit. And then we made craft margaritas and quart jars and had beer and all the different things that you could go. And so every week you would order by Thursday and then come and pick up these items. And, And, of course, you could always get all of our barbecue to go. So we were really only serving this weekly food until the end of June, and then we reopened. In this time, I also took the opportunity to redo the bathrooms in our restaurant, because we were never closed. So when would you have time, you know, to do that? And that ended up taking much longer than I anticipated. And we replaced a kitchen floor, and we replaced a giant walk-in in our catering operation. All of these things, none of this went to plan, you know, it took much longer than anticipated. But, you know, we feel great that we got some things cleaned up and looking a little bit better and projects we wanted to do for a long time. Had I known though how awful it was all going to be, I might not have spent all that money, <laughs> but I did. I love it. It falls into your attitude of like looking on the bright side of things, right? Which is all you can do right now as you're trying to both build your business and help your community. Right. Exactly. Um, cheerfully flexible is my new mantra. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. So um, I have I have been uh, accused of toxic positivity, but honestly, everyone is looking to me to. I can't freak out or think that, you know, if something is really bad and awful. We have to just figure out a way to power through it. Yeah, there should be more toxic positivity. <laughs> Hashtag pos- toxic positivity for sure. So you seem like I know we're, we're we have to wrap up relatively soon, but. It sounds from everything I've read about you and now getting to know you a little bit that you're such a forward thinker. You're like not thinking about, you're surely thinking about your community and surely you became very creative in your thought process around this challenge that we've all faced. Um, what, do you, what do you see? Are there more cookbooks down the line? Are there I may have more? one more book in me, but that is really very backburnered. Okay. I do have a five-year plan um, and that's like 2025 <laughs> so that's okay. not, or 20, whatever, 2027. It's, that's a little bit farther out. I really, you know, want to get this bottling chugging along so that every day our line is running and other people we're selling the days that we don't need to co-pack for other people because I think that is a real need in the marketplace is a very good co-packer because most people do not like their co-packer. Right, right. I feel that we have been on the other side so we could be the co-packer people like. Uh, I'm really excited to get this little coffee breakfast lunch place going. Um, it's going to have a coffee drive-through, 
which will be so awesome. That's great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You have a date yet to open? Mid-April. Right now we're waiting on the bases for the tables, the chairs, refrigeration. Just kind of keep okay, so that. Have, there's there's yeah. some supply chain things we're working through, but right. um, can't wait to come. I know. I can't wait to. We cannot we wait to have you. It's going to be so exciting. So, quick pivot. Let's just talk a little bit more about Charleston and tell us what you've been doing while you're here. I have had the best time here in Charleston. I have um, one of my really trusted, valued crew members with me, and she's never been, and she and her husband drove all of our food down here. So we have been to all kinds of places doing research. We've been to lots of coffee shops. I'm a huge fan of the Daily, so I had to make mm -hmm. sure to take her there. Um, Mercantile and Mash, because that kind of has the market concept that we are going to have in the other half of our coffee shop. We have been to Chasing Sage, which is a delightful restaurant. It's about eight months old, perhaps. We've had a um, dessert and nightcap at The Ordinary. We always love that. We've had a drink at the bar at Leon's. Um, and, of course, we've had a big barbecue spread at Lewis Barbecue. John Lewis is one of my best barbecue friends, or just friend-friend. I uh -huh. call him a barbecue friend. But... Um, you know, we've been there, and it was great to show our staff something, a different type of barbecue and different type sure. of service model. <laughs> Gotta love live. So we have, they have the a new time. way of trying to shut us down now. Exactly. They, they blast they us, us out with music. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, I just had the, have had the best time. I love Charleston. I love seeing the growth. I'm so glad the festival is back. Of all the festivals that we do, this one always feels the warmest and the most gracious. People are, even the people who are here will say, thank you so much for being here and for coming. We just love it. Yeah, it's really lovely. This it's, is my first and I am right. in love already. Yeah, yes. it's a wonderful tradition. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Amy Mills, for being with us. We can't wait to see everything you do with 17th Street Barbecuing and more. Frank, would you like me to read the outro this time, or would you like to read the I outro? would love for you to do okay, that. I'm gonna Thank do you outro. so Thank much. Thank you it, so much for having me. It was really a pleasure to meet you and to chat with you today. Thank it was you. wonderful, and good luck with everything you're thank doing. You. It sounds so exciting. Thank you. So, listeners, thank you for listening to HRN's live coverage of Charleston Wine and Food Festival. I'm Liza Ham, and special thanks to Hickory Nut Gap for making our coverage possible. We're grateful to the festival for having HRN back in the Culinary Village for the six-year running. Technically, I think it's seven years of coverage, but six years in person. You can listen to all of our coverage on our podcast, Heritage Radio Network on Tour, and you can find it on heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. 
Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.